Hi, I'm Miranda Ray Mayo, also known as Mr. Mayo. I play Stella Kid on Chicago Fire, and you are listening to Meet Us at Molly's. Not gonna be all sunshine and roses, but I can promise it's gonna be a hell of a ride. Alrighty, guys, welcome back to a very special bonus episode of Meet Us at Molly's. I'm one of your hosts. My name is Bryna. Gina, unfortunately, cannot be with us tonight, but that is okay because I have two very, very special guests, um, Chicago Med writers, Jeff Dreyer and Stephen Hootstein. Guys, how are you? Doing good. Great. <laughs> We're just pop them. <laughs> a lot of that for, just for show. <laughs> well, it's been, I know, quite a year since we've had you guys last on here. So, how have you guys been? Hanging in there? Yeah. Yeah. Been working, working from home. We're already working on scene, uh, season seven. Really? Already? Has the writer's room opened back up yet? It never, never, never shuts down. It's, really? It's like a Wawa convenience store. <laughs> Yeah, I think I think we took like three days off after season six. Is that right? And then something like that. Again, yep. yeah. What's it been like? Because I know, as I'm assuming it's still vir- been virtual this whole time. Yep. Yeah. What's it like been like being in a virtual writers room compared to like the normal writers room? For me, it's a it's a lot harder to keep concentration. <laughs> it's there's a lot of distraction and just. Uh, uh, you know, it, you miss the the the, the uh, shared space, the view, constant view of a whiteboard instead of toggling back and forth. Uh, what else do I miss? Just the, all the nonverbal cues that you can't pick up on Zoom. Yeah, so. you can't have small side conversations. You can't just talk to anybody. Everything you say is to everyone. So yeah. You know, it's it's uh, it's a little tougher. You can't to take a ten minute break and go off to the side and work stuff out. It's all just kind of on the big screen all the time. All the time. It's definitely a learning curve that is still like going seemingly going straight up. <laughs> when is going to level out? Going to master the zoom? I don't know. Maybe never. Um, I know you, we were just kind of talking about before we started recording that, you know, it looks like things are finally starting to open back up and like normal life is coming back. Have you guys heard, like, will you guys actually be back in a writer's room for season seven or you still don't know yet? No word yet. No one's saying anything. Uh, who knows? <laughs> yeah, there's a lot. Yeah, I think I, I, don't, I don't even know who all the decision makers are. on that. I think collectively. Uh, for the most part, I mean, we would we would hope that they would that it was possible. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just don't know who is going to make that call. Right. Right. So Zoom for now. Zoom for now. Now. Yep. Um, so kind of going off of that, I mean, I know to say this season just in general has been different would be an understatement. I mean, there were less episodes, there were all these filming restrictions, but like now that the season complete, I would love to know, like, what are some of the challenges about making the season happen from the writing perspective? I mean, I think the, the, the biggest challenge was having 
lots of continuity in our stories. Uh, you know, it's just so hard when you're just all apart to make everything, all the personal stories flow together as well as we would like. Um, you know, I, I, you just don't have that constant ability to walk into your, you know, someone else's office and talk to them about things. And it, it just makes it all a little choppier and a little less all of one piece, I think. Yeah, it's definitely longer, took longer to write, not the actual writing, uh, which that might actually have taken less time just because uh, without the distractions of being in the office, but, but the process of breaking an episode was, uh, I felt was a little more uh, laborious. And the start of the season was very difficult, like just figuring out how to deal with COVID, how to do this all on Zoom and get all our stories together. And we were shooting in the dark like everyone else and like trying to, we knew when we were supposed to start shooting and we knew kind of when we were supposed to start airing and we wanted to be current to that moment, but that was right. months in the future. And then, you know, I think you can speak to, uh, from what I've read about all, uh, about uh, other medical shows as well. You're trying to figure out how you're gonna handle the subject matter, you know, like how much is too much considering people are living it every day. How much do you wanna, every show, that's, that's all the point. Uh, I apologize. Uh, you know, every show had to do that calculus for themselves. I'm gonna drop for a second there, Jeff, pick this up. <laughs> <laughs> this, this is what doing Zoom writer's room is like. Exactly. Children breaking things in the background all day. <laughs> um, kind of going off of that, you were talking about the beginning of the season. Obviously, going back to last season, you guys got cut a few episodes because of the shutdown. So, like, were the first few episodes of season six similar to the ones you guys had already written for the end of season five? I mean, yes and no. We 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 took some of the stories and repurposed them, right? You know, for the for the new season, but of course, all of a sudden, it was in a hospital where there was coronavirus, and and right. you know, all this stuff had happened in the meantime. So it, like, on the one hand, it seemed like it would be stupid to just come in and tell another story about somebody with an ulcer and whatever, whatever. Yeah. But at the same time, you know, you didn't want to just COVID, 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 and right. while everybody's living through it, you know, I think, you know, it was like striking the balance between the two of them. So it was old stories newly redone to, to sort of reflect the new reality, I think. Yeah. yeah. And, and, and as, as um, Harry, it's still challenging, as we all know, like, you know, the medical response to COVID for, from a storytelling standpoint, uh, it can be pretty uh, limiting or repetitive. You know, there's not, there's not a lot of responses to it so we quickly realized we couldn't spend a lot of time treating uh COVID patients you know right it was nice to have 10 already done stories to just like take and put in our episodes <laughs> that, that, we're finding that that would be really helpful <laughs> right at the start of season seven <laughs> Oh, and kind of what you guys were also talking about too. I mean, like this season more than ever, like you guys had to pay attention to like what was going on in the country and use that in your storytelling. So I'm just curious, like how did that affect how you guys approached writing this season? Because more than ever, like I said, you're having to pay attention to what's going on in the world and use that to tell your stories that are going to be airing in a month or two from now. 
when when they also if you well you'll remember like the uh, George Floyd protests and mm -hmm. you know how everything was up in the air you know last summer and uh, Dick you know really wanted to as a show that is ripped from the headlines wanted to you know speak to that common conversation so you know we had both the COVID uh, stories to deal with and then and try to make a, a concerted effort to to stay current you know with with uh, what was happening mm -hmm. in the world uh, so that was another you know thing I, I you know we, we 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 would touch on from episode to episode uh, Dick did a great job of like you know, we would have uh, when we started out, and we're still doing them to this day. You know, every every few weeks there'll be um, kind of like a town hall meeting uh, where he'll bring experts and personalities and and thinkers, you know, public intellectuals, you know, and and have them address the collective writing staff of the of the Dick Wolf universe to talk about some of these issues. And that was actually one of the more you know interesting parts of, uh, of, of being a writer on one of his shows this year. Oh, that's so cool. That's so cool. Um, and I know because of COVID protocols, it obviously took longer to film episodes, which meant there were gaps in air date schedules. Like obviously there were two episodes in November and then we didn't get episode three till the middle of January. So like, did that affect how you guys approached writing this season or did you guys just write it as like, oh, it's all one season and we're not paying attention to air dates whatsoever? I mean, we, we wrote it, I think there was supposed to be a gap like between episodes five and six, and then didn't we get shut down for, for two weeks for, yeah. for yeah, and then everything fell apart. <laughs> and then we were just happy to be getting episodes done. Yeah. It was really a remarkable effort by the production crew. They had, we had one shutdown near the beginning. Mm -hmm. And then uh, I don't think we really had another day. And by the time we started, Normally we're, traditionally we're an eight day shoot. I think most hour long dramas are. Mm -hmm. And uh, we initially budgeted uh, as much as 10 days. Uh, that was the thought that it was, how long it yeah. was gonna take. And um, to, to all the crew's credit, we got it back down to eight days somehow. Uh, it's, wow. I don't know how they did it. That's crazy. Yeah. That's really crazy. impressive. Yeah, yeah, that's really impressive. I was assuming they were still taking 10. I knew it had kind of taken 10 in the beginning, but that's crazy that they got it down back to eight. Yeah, somehow they figured out how to do it and makes you wonder what we were doing wrong all those years. So. <laughs> yeah, for sure. So moving kind of out of the COVID stuff and into storylines, I guess we just kind of have to address this elephant in the room. I know there was news that came out recently that Tori and Yaya are both leaving the show at the end of the season. I'm just curious, when did you guys find out they were leaving the show? When was it on deadline? I think that, do we, do we find uh, out? It was like two weeks ago, it was on deadline. Two weeks and, uh, and a couple hours? Oh, so yeah. you guys found out like right before that it was that that we're leaving. I think we found out for certain uh, right as it was being announced. Right there, there had been some discussion Rumors, here. Rumors, I'm sure. Yeah. yeah. Uh, nothing for for certain until it happened. Happened. This was. Uh, yeah, I can't. You know, we don't know. We you know we don't know. We were the last to know. Unfortunately, seemingly, we should be maybe the first to know. 
uh, and you know, here I don't know how much we could speak to it, but uh, you know, all of the certainly all of the original cast members' contracts, you know, originally right. signed even contracts. So I think even going into the season or certainly mid-season, like you know, we knew that you know not every con, you know, it's the the odds are that we were we were going to say right. farewell to some. But I don't. I honestly don't know how they make those decisions. So. Right, but you guys, I guess, then follow up question. You guys didn't write the end of their seasons knowing that they were leaving the show. You rent. You wrote the end of their this the finale storylines are wrapped up kind of the way they're going to be wrapped up. You didn't know they were leaving with that in mind. We knew there was a chance. Mm-hmm. So the so the endings are. Now knowing what you know when you watch it, I, I think it'll all it'll make sense. But it, it you know, it it, 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 it wasn't it wasn't the kind of thing where you know you knew for sure, yeah. Do, and we've been spending a season working out how to write them out, anything like that. So okay. it's yeah, but I, I like it, it when you watch the episode, it still feels pretty satisfying. I think. So let's start with Will. So Will has had quite the season, which obviously it started off with him saying goodbye to Hannah because um, she couldn't, you know, be there and, you know, keep her sober. Um, and I know this is probably a storyline you guys felt like you had to formally wrap up since season five ended earlier than expected. But was there ever a discussion in the writer's room about her sticking around longer or you knew that that was kind of the end? I mean, there were, yeah, there were a lot of discussions. We, we, I, you know, there was a, a very different end to season five had it gone all the way through. And, and I don't know, there, we, we talked for a while about whether there, there might be a, a proposal. Uh, like there were all, all sorts of stuff uh, was on the table. And then once that didn't happen, then we came back and, and it was the new season and, you know, things sort of shifted a different way. Um, but yeah, who knows what would have happened had we finished the season last year. That's interesting that you say that because we were talking about when that episode airs and Will tells her that he loves her. We were like, whoa, that kind of felt out of left field. So it's interesting that you say that he there was discussions around like, oh, was somebody going to propose? Like that's that's interesting. Yeah, yeah. We, there was there was a there are a few different ways it could have gone, but uh, <laughs> yeah, this is the one that worked. Yeah, this is the one that happened. Yeah. So I know a majority of the season obviously shows Will working on this clinical trial. And you guys have never really done a clinical trial storyline until this season. And I'm curious, like what made exploring that part of medicine so appealing to you guys? I've been trying to do a clinical trial story since season two, and everybody said it would be too difficult, and it ended up being very difficult. So <laughs> <laughs> maybe they were right and I was wrong all along. But um, I, I just, I, you know, it's so uh, so a part of what's going on in medicine right now. And there's such a, a, a huge intersection between industry and medicine and the different agendas and so many ways that medical professionals can get caught up in the middle of it. And um, I don't know, I, like there's such a good side of it as someone who used to be involved in clinical trials myself, I'm very pro-clinical trial, but at the same time, there's a lot of ways that can go wrong as we explored. So, <laughs> you know, it just, it always seemed to me like there's lots of drama there. And, uh, and I think there was, we got, you know, we got a, a pretty good season for Will out of it. 
what I'm curious, like what made it so difficult? Because I know you said you want to be doing it for a while and everyone's like, oh, it's so difficult. But like what made it actually so difficult? I mean, I think I think being even handed, uh, you know, there's a propensity to want to show the 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 pharmaceutical company is the, the bad guy who's just in it for the money or whatever. But that's, you know, that's not necessarily the case. And they're making life saving drugs. But at the same time, you want our doctors to be the heroes. Um, <laughs> And, and, you know, finding a new issue every week that Will's dealing with where it's not just the same thing over and over again, and how you can get these ethical dilemmas within the, you know, confines of this, you know, this trial, it's, you know, it's a little challenge every week to find a new way, but, you know, we, we, we found some, we have some smart uh, medical consultants that know a lot about this stuff, so they, they, they helped a lot. Thank goodness. <laughs> um, I know there are quite a few instances in the season where Will's asked, you know, like whether or not he'd consider leaving the ED for clinical trials. And he's like, oh, well, I'd be open to it. Um, is that something you guys have talked about for further exploring? Or is this kind of most likely seem like the end of Will's time with clinical trials? Uh, <laughs> Yeah. You never want to say never, <laughs> but I, uh, I think Will's, you know, I think as we, we all love Will uh, for, you know, he leads with his heart and perhaps he's uh, uh, a guy whose uh, emotions uh, aren't necessarily best suited by, you know, you know, in the, in the, in the, position of having the rigor of, uh, you know, of what a clinical trial requires from its, what do you call it? It's not a practitioner. It's a, what was it? What? Um, the, the PI? Uh, yeah, investigator. Yeah. yeah, investigator. So basically never. Okay. Yeah, I got, I, I, okay. So something else we debated a lot this season on our podcast is after Willem blinds the patient, he ends up asking Sabina out for drinks and she surprisingly accepts. We want to know, was that supposed to be him covering his ass for unblinding the patient and not wanting her to know? Or does he, did he actually like her in that moment and wanted to ask her out because he liked her? I think he, I, I, there's a little bit of both, I guess, but I, 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 I think I think Will liked her. I think Will would have been happy if things had worked out between the two of them, um, and, which he kept trying to <laughs> have happen. But then you know Will always ends up sticking his foot in things uh, <laughs> before he can you know help himself. So. Yeah, we were even surprised that she was willing last week to take him back. And we were like, girl, what are you doing? <laughs> Why would you do that? I was saying the same thing. But then you look at that, you look at that smile. You're like, come on. Of course, you got to give Will another chance. But yeah, I, I think I would give Will another chance <laughs> all the time. But I don't know if I were Sabina, I would, I would, I would do that. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, he's like ruining his career and her career. I just, I don't know. It doesn't sit well with me, but uh, yeah. <laughs> um, so another kind of big part of Will's storyline this season is he decided to step in and help Natalie's mom through all this stuff going on with her heart. 
we want is the reason he's being so eager to help her because he loves natalie and obviously always will love natalie even though they're not together or can he just honestly not resist a good scandal <laughs> he loves natalie i mean come on who are we i'm i'm the biggest fan of manstead uh on the writing staff for sure and you know maybe in all of los angeles he's been a manstead stand from um, the start I, I, I think everything's about Manstead, but uh, I, 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 look, I, I think he loves her and he would do anything for her and whether they're friends or dating or whatever, I, I don't think he can help himself. Jeff, I was going to say, I think listeners of our podcast are going to be very happy to hear your big Manstead stand because <laughs> I know a lot of our listeners are too. Um, and I know we joke a lot I about- Raise that question. That was very loaded. <laughs> it's true though he seems to really like a good scandal that's all we're saying <laughs> um and i know we joke a lot about will and natalie doing shady stuff all the time but like i mean could part of you think honestly like part of his willingness to help natalie be from the fact that he never really faced a consequence in all of his time at med <laughs> i'm serious <laughs> you on I mean, uh, you know, he probably, he's probably, uh, yeah, he hasn't been, you know, as a, as a puppy, he hasn't been properly trained, probably. <laughs> there should have been some more consequences. I know Goodwin's, maybe she should have tried wrapping him on, on his nose with a newspaper. I don't, <laughs> I don't know if he still would have learned, though. Don't know. <laughs> um, and speaking of Natalie, I mean, kind of on her other side of this love triangle another one of the big storylines was like this blossoming relationship with crockett and i mean we kind of started to see that at the end of last season but was it always the plan for them to get together as quickly as they did in this season uh we started it started percolating i think um sometime late season five um I think they felt like there was good physical chemistry. Um, and so, um, yeah, I, uh, it's so hard to like, you know, the, the, uh, to try to figure out the, the counterfactual of like how fat quickly or, and, you know, their relationship would have, would have happened if there wasn't, you know, if we, we hadn't had uh, COVID into the world. Uh, maybe it helped uh, press the accelerator. I don't know. I think I think at one point we were we were going to end last season with her knocking on his door, right? Was that uh... yeah? There was some. There was a, you know yeah. We what we do nineteen the previous season out of 22? 1920. twenty two. Nineteen twenty. Yeah, it was twenty yeah. last season. Yeah. Um, so yeah. I, I think if you remember, like eighteen or nineteen, you know, was when Natalie found out, you know, about Crockett's past, mm -hmm. and so that was. I think, you know, intended to like start them moving towards each other. I just don't know at, at what kind of, uh, at how quickly they were gonna do so. Right. How did you uh, feel about their chemistry? I loved it. Listen, last season I saw it happening and I said something about it on the podcast, how I was like intrigued by it. And I got so much shit for it from all the Manstead Sands. 
because everyone's like, no, no, it's going to be Manstead. I was like, listen, I'm just saying if they go that way, I'm not opposed to it. And then this season happened and I was got, I'm not wrong. I was not wrong. (laughs) I was definitely, I I definitely liked the Mansell of it all. I I think Tori is so likable as an actress that like, you know, not to say whoever you put with her because Dominic's also very good, but just like, she like, yeah. just like to watch her and i you know they they seem to have such an easy time together i i i always like the scenes they had together and their little bantery stuff and and uh i i, I thought they were pretty cute yeah i i definitely enjoyed them um but speaking of crockett's past we briefly got to meet his ex-wife this season very very briefly and i'm curious why did you guys have her show up now and like why didn't we see more of her because I would I would have sworn to you that she would have showed up again by the end of the season, and I'm kind of surprised she hasn't. She's good, right? You're good. <laughs> <laughs> it seems like everything you you point to was like the topic of like five weeks ago. <laughs> I was gonna say, do we spend a month talking about this? Yeah. Yeah. And I really, I, I'd love to walk you through all that, <laughs> but I can't because I don't remember. But we talked about it a lot. Yeah, it's a mystery. I at some point, right? We had idea. We had like a an arc for her, and she was moving to Chicago. But why was she moving to Chicago? We couldn't quite figure it out. And when, you know, it seemed very juicy. But then once we got into the the nuts and bolts of it, that you know, the, it was hard to explain exactly what she, you know, and, and she seemed more and more like a stalker the more we, like, kind of got into what she was doing there, and so it, like... Just kind of fell off. Yeah, and at the end of the day, we're like, well, it would certainly be easy if she left. <laughs> <laughs> that makes so much more sense, though, because something we've wondered, too, for the longest time is, like, why did she come all the way to Chicago just to bring him that box of stuff? Like, why didn't she just mail it to him? That was the, our question on our minds. And that makes oh, so much more sense. Box. <laughs> no. We were just like, why? Like, it just didn't, it didn't make sense to us, but that makes so much more sense. <laughs> so switching gears a little bit, let's talk about Ethan for a second. Because Ethan has also had quite, this season as well i mean we saw and like right off the bat he got promoted to chief of the ed was it always going to be ethan or did you guys ever consider going with someone else once lanik stepped down i think uh, ethan i think it was pretty much always going to be ethan i mean we spent a day talking about like who the candidates would possibly be and then that kind of formed the uh the story the basis of the story where we had will and ethan certainly at the very very beginning of the season uh you know vying for this thing but we felt like it was if if we were if we were the hospital and and goodwin we we would make the same decision she would make uh in naming ethan and you know to his credit kind of you know for you know uh brian t and and ethan you know it's a difficult position to put that character in because now all of a sudden he's got to be the guy who's saying no and opposing all of our doctors and our heroes and he's got to tow it you know it's it's hard to to maintain your your likability 
you know, through that. But, uh, you know, Brian's such a professional, you know, that, uh, I don't know, I think, cause I, I really like some of those uh, storylines personally. Yeah, I did too. I know a lot of people on the internet, at least for giving him a lot of shit all season because it seemed like he was such a hard ass and stuff. But I think his struggles through trying to figure out like his place in the ED now that he's not just a colleague, he's the boss of some people. Like, I, I don't know. I personally felt like at moments that it was really compelling, but I also felt at moments I was like, Ethan, what are you doing? You're being such a <laughs> dick for no reason. Like, what are you doing? But I don't know. I personally thought it was compelling too. I like the journey that Ethan's had this season. Oh, good. I, I, that was one of my, I, I don't know. He's, he's so by the rules that, you know, you can just see where the conflict's going to come when you put him in charge and you got this hospital of doctors that sometimes go outside the lines or whatever, like, you know, it's, it's, it, it makes for a lot of conflict and it's right. It's, it's, it's a challenge to keep everybody likable. And that was, uh, I, I hope, I hope we succeeded. <laughs> yeah. And I think it, it forced him to re look at like all of his relationships because every uh, certain aspects of all of his relationships with everybody in the ED changed, whether it was April who obviously he had the past with or will who we just beat out for that position. Um, I, I don't know. I just, I thought it was really interesting. I personally liked it. I know a lot of people still don't like Ethan, but I don't know. <laughs> I do. So, um, also something that came up a lot on our podcast was there are these like throughout the season, there's been these like little tiny, like flirty moments between Verani and Ethan. And I don't know if Verani is planning on sticking around next season, but like, if she were to, would you guys be opposed to further exploring that? <laughs> everything <laughs> she's so good unbelievable it's crazy. <laughs> uh yeah i i i think that there's we're not talking about it right now but that doesn't mean it's not a possibility down the road and and, and you know i i i think we're you know we're we're just sort of exploring like is there a kender pharmaceutical uh story somewhere in the future mm -hmm. that it's still affecting our hospital somehow and and uh, you know and and if it does are, are we going to see her again i i th I, th I thought the little love triangle that you just got little snippets of with the chests and the things like that I, like i always kind of liked that and and felt it added some fun to everything yeah. i hope so yeah, it just felt like so different compared to the relationship she had with Will that it was nice to see the two like compared and contrast. I thought it, I don't know, I, I liked it. That would be my preference, but. She brought the fun out in Ethan, I thought. Mm -hmm. In a season where he was really struggling. And I think it, I think it was, you know, I, yeah. I loved Diane it. will be very happy to hear this. <laughs> <laughs> Um, someone else who kind of came up in Ethan's life this season was Dr. Archer, who obviously has this past with Ethan, Ethan from the Navy. And I'm curious, like, what did you guys enjoy about that dynamic, exploring that dynamic this season? Well, first of all, Steve Weber, man, he's just, you know, such a talent. And uh, the, you know, like like we said earlier in the you know in a in a hospital full of uh you know doctors hero doctors who you know we know 
whether they have a nose for scandal or not, you know, we know that they always are coming from the right place. To have a doctor who can, or a character who can have an agenda or, you know, provide some, this is fun. It's fun to, to, to watch, you know, this guy think and he's smart and he's crafty and he's, uh, it just had, I, I felt like it added just a whole nother flavor to, uh, to the end of the season. Yeah, definitely added something because his motives have been, like you were kind of just talking about, very questionable since the moment he arrived. I don't know whether to trust him or hate him or both, but I'm curious, like, will we learn what he's, like, really been up to or about in the season finale? Well, uh, well, the finale, he's got a big part in the finale. Um, I don't think... I don't think you're going to get any big answers to like what's behind it, but I think he's got a like sort of a big, interesting story. And I think you'll be firmly in his camp. Right. In, in the finale. Yes. I think you're going to come out of that liking him. And then we're going to get to go into next season um, where we're a little more on his side and we can, from that angle, explore some of the stuff you're talking about. Interesting. So the plan, I guess, is for him to stick around next season? As of now, whole, at least? Yeah, I know uh, this is one of those things where the, that are in negotiation, I right. think. Right. I think it's a mutual... I, we obviously enjoyed having him on the show, and I think uh, he's really enjoyed, you know, being with the, the cast and the crew, so... Hopefully, uh, we can bring him back and tell more stories with Archer. Interesting. I'll be curious because I don't know of anyone yet who's joined his camp. So I'll be curious to see if I do after Wednesday. I'll be curious. He'll be closer to his camp. Okay. <laughs> He'll be camp adjacent. <laughs> okay. We'll see. Uh, we'll see. <laughs> I'm not holding out hope, but we'll see. Very skeptical. yeah I just I don't trust the guy I just I can't I don't (laughs) not yet at least not yet um so kind of someone else who's had a pretty interesting journey this season is April I mean she went from working in the COVID ward then she helped Will with the trial and now she's been applying to nurse practitioner programs like what was appealing about telling this story for April this season? Because to me, I, it really felt like she found herself and like what she wants her place in medicine to be this season. I mean, I, I think like starting off in the COVID ward was such a, a great thing for her because she got to be a li- like a little more than she, you know, had been in previous seasons, like as a professional, you right. know, there was much responsibility. Uh, you know, in working there and, and you're shorthanded and all that. And I, I think she kind of found herself in that. And like, I enjoyed watching her struggle with, am I going to go back to same old April again and my old life? Or am I going to keep climbing and trying to find something, you know, bigger for myself? And, you know, I kind of liked seeing her journey over six years. You know, she gave up going to med school way, way back to put Noah through med school, her brother. And, it, like it kind of felt like it came full circle this year as she sort of discovered that hey you know I can do this and and uh, you know a lot of those stories watching her 
see that in herself. It, like, it felt very uplifting for me. So I'm, I'm, I'm happy for her. Yeah. Did you guys always know that the plan was for her to end up like applying to schools and applying to like nurse practitioner programs by the end of the season? Or was that something you guys kind of figured out as you were writing the season? The latter, I think. Just, uh, it started to make more and more sense, you know. Uh, but it, was, it felt like a natural extension of, of the, uh, the arc she was on. Um, so kind of related to April, but this season we got Noah back for one episode, but it ended up with him getting fired. And typically we don't see anyone really fired when they do things that are wrong at Chicago Med. So why did you guys decide to have Noah get fired? I mean, I, I you know, and I, I love Noah. Um, he, you know, we were trying, I, you know, I think it was more uh, a, a casual telling an Ethan story. And, you know, telling Ethan is the new boss, what's the hardest decision he has to make? And he, you know, um, I'm sorry, did I lose? Oh. Oh, am I, oh, can you hear me? I'm sorry. Yeah, I can hear you. Uh, yeah, sorry. You know, the hardest you could make is have fire April's brother it just you know there was just so much drama in it and you know it was kind of you know any halfway way of doing it just wouldn't have been as good you know like to to really make conflict it seemed like the thing to do but you know I hate to see Noah go I I love every time he's on the screen I think he's I think he's a riot yeah yeah I miss, I miss Noah too but he had to be sacrificed for the greater <laughs> for the greater good of the story um but i am curious though this may be like too technical of a question but it was something we were wondering when did ethan acquire the ability to fire people i thought goodwin only had final say in that or is now that he's the chief of the ed he can fire whoever he wants to in the ed uh, yeah, i don't want to well i don't i you know i i i i, I think that Right, I think more than one person can fire somebody. I, 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 I guess it's an excellent question. We've um, just always seen everyone who, like, when they consider about getting fired, like, go before Goodwin, and then at this point it was like, oh, Ethan's firing no one. We were like, wait, what? Like, what, since when did Ethan get to fire somebody? Well, I mean, it makes fire, sense, but we were just like, what? When you fire a series regular, you have to go to Goodwin. <laughs> when you, <fire laughs> when you fire anyone else, you get to go to Ethan. <laughs> Ethan can do it. <laughs> I'll take it. Um, you're asking all the hard questions I, like I said I might have been a little too technical but it was something <laughs> we've been wondering it's been on our mind so just had to ask um, but speaking of Goodwin I mean she started off the season working from home and I'm curious like was it always the plan to have Goodwin work from home or was that due to like um, a Apatha not being able to be on set for whatever reason or like was it always the plan for her to be working from home well, I don't know if it was always a, I mean, we were just, we were literally just reacting, you know, in real time to, uh, to what was going on on the ground. So, you know, I, I think, I, I, I don't, I think we just, you know, it was like one of those things where it, it made sense for both the uh, character 
and the actor, mm -hmm. you know, at the beginning when we were just flying completely blind uh, to tell that, to tell the story that way. Uh, can't remember what episode she came in on, four? Yeah, I was gonna say, I think it's four. Yeah, so that was, we were shooting probably in October. Um, and I think by that time, just, you know, our, our the show newer, well, I just felt like the right time for everybody involved. Bring uh, Goodwin back, back in. Um, another big part of Goodwin's story this season is that she started, you know, working alongside her family because her son started working at the hospital. Um, and I know that obviously wasn't easy on her and it's just not an easy dynamic in general, but like what made you guys want to further explore that one? Uh, oh, there you are. Uh, well, you know, I think we, we tend to, uh, I don't know, I think some of our more successful stories, you know, it's, it's always hard when you're in the hospital, like trying to find that extra level of emotionality and, and conflict. And, uh, you know, so we've had, at least with Goodwin's character, uh, we've had great mileage out of her relationship with her ex-husband. Um, and I think we introduced Michael at the very end of um, season five. Mm -hmm. uh, right. So that just felt like a new, a natural, like extension, uh, you know, just to, it's always difficult to try to find, you know, ways for the family members to uh, interact in this, in this case, since we were already dealing with the, the Kender pharmaceutical clinical trial, I think the decision was, you know, made to have Michael, you know, find, find a spot, you know, somewhere within that same umbrella and at least some place that would provide him some, you know, conflict and scenes with, uh, with his mother. Would you say that's kind of similar to why you guys decided to explore Dr. Charles and Anna? Because I know she kind of came back into the fold last season and it obviously was heavily explored this season. Um, is that kind of similar on why you guys chose to go that route with that story too? Yeah. Yeah. And she's such a, she's such a good actress. Like we, like we, we didn't want to stop telling stories about her if we didn't have to. And uh, yeah, we, I, we were, you know, we didn't get to tell the end of last season, so we just started up with her again this season, and she kept being great, so we kept <laughs> trying to find ways to get her in there. Yeah, I think a lot of people were surprised by how much that storyline shifted, you know, because it starts off, she's kind of a brat, and then by the end, it's become, like, this, like, beautiful father-daughter relationship, um, and I, yeah, I personally liked it, um, but... Uh, yeah, I was just curious if that was kind of the similar idea with the Goodwin and Michael or Michael stuff too. Yeah, Charles is always, you know, he's so good at his job. Yeah. You know, and 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 just always has the right answer and the right tool in his toolbox. You know, just to ha to to you know when we can when we can introduce him with uh, you know family members or people he's more intimate with, and you know. You get to see a more human side, a guy who doesn't, you know, it's not going to have the right answer every mm -hmm. time. Or even if he does, it might, it's not necessarily going to work. And, you know, I think we, those stories always feel like uh, they work for, you know, for the character and for Oliver gets you to know, play a whole 
another range of emotions. So the more Charles and personal stuff for Charles, the better in my eyes. You know, I, I just, I love for writing for, for Oliver and that character. Speaking of Dr. Charles, though, his other kind of big storyline this season revolved around him taking care of Ramona, which, I mean, if I'm being honest, like, we kind of thought was going to end up with, like, a lifetime serial killer type storyline, which, I mean, we're glad it didn't, but I'm curious, like, what were you guys hoping to achieve with that storyline? Originally, she was going to be, like, a lifetime type serial killer. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, that's where I thought it was going. It was, yeah, it was, a, it was a coin flip. <laughs> yeah, definitely not where uh, I it was it was It was meant to, I think, just throw, you know, his relationship with his daughter in some relief. I think, I think there wasn't an uh, original version where their paths crossed, uh, you know, Ramona and uh, his daughter's path crossed a little more. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, dramatically, uh, and uh, we, so there was a version on the board, and I can't remember, I think maybe the actor's availability or something, something kind of changed, but, the, the, you know, but now it makes it, hopefully the end, it feels like it was the way we planned it all along. <laughs> but I mean, we are done with the Ramona story though, right? Like that's done now? There's not a zero chance that uh that that we'll see her again i, I there's literally we haven't planned it but but like okay. the names come up right once or twice in the in the couple of weeks we've been on season seven okay but for now it's done yeah for now it's done okay. yeah, now it's done all right so also in the beginning of the season we were focused a lot on maggie and ben deciding to go through with adopting augie but then of course he obviously ends up going to live with his brother's family did you guys ever discuss him not leaving and like maggie and ben adopting him yeah we talked about that it's 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 so hard so much of our show takes place in the hospital you know as you know we saw with natalie's son it's so hard to tell stories about our characters' children. Um, it's just so hard to do it that I think the inclination is to have as few children <laughs> as possible. Because <laughs> you know, we, we just we leave the hospital so infrequently, yeah, and it gets hard to keep making excuses for why someone's bringing you know their their kid to the hospital unless they're getting sick. You only do that so many times so uh but it also it just you know in the i don't know in the continuing story of maggie i, I you know her and i i i sort of logical daughter and it's you know it's all sort of an offshoot of of, of the augie story so you know it seemed like it created more story to have him go than to have him. Yeah. That's fair. Um, but speaking of Ben, I know obviously we didn't get to see a ton of him around this season, which is obviously sad because we love Maggie and Ben. But is that just due to like COVID and not being able to have a ton of guest stars around? Or is that kind of similar to what you were saying about with children? It's just hard to tell stories outside of the hospital. 
That I, that one probably I think was more due to travel restrictions. Like I believe the actor lives in Los Angeles and flies out. And uh, we tried. I think there was a, a, an attempt to try to limit, you know, travel throughout. Right. The, yeah. That makes sense. Um, but obviously, the big kind of storyline for Maggie these last couple episodes has been, you know, she recently found out about this daughter that she gave away or gave up for adoption when she was only 16 and has just found out some more information about her. I'm curious, like what made you guys want to explore that story now? Uh, well, like, I think Jeff just re referred to it. It kind of, it, it felt like uh, a natural extension of, you know, the Augie arc, you know, to, to try to like, dig deeper on, you know, into those parental urges that, you know, Maggie doesn't have any children of her own. Um, I think we might've intimated, but certainly it feels like she might've had trouble, uh, you know, with that process or just hadn't find the right partner. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and uh, <clears throat> yeah, so once, uh, you know, I, I, it's one of those things where you're just talking about you know, the episode where Augie, where we're, we're, we're breaking the episode where Augie uh, is going to uh, go off with his, you know, his brother, his, you know, birth brother and, and that family in California and just finding ways to like uh, amplify, you know, what's going on emotionally with Maggie in that moment. And then you're in a, you're in a room with a bunch of people throwing out ideas and, uh, and that one came up and stuck. And then once once it's in the in the in the bloodstream, you know, you gotta you gotta follow through with it. Yeah. And I mean, even though we don't see Ben, I mean, we're to assume, right, that she's talked to, talking about all of this with Ben and he's a hundred percent supportive of everything she's done so far in terms of this adoption or daughter stuff, right? We're to assume that. hundred yeah, <laughs> percent. <laughs> we actually see him in uh 16 16 yeah, yeah. He, makes, and he voices his opinion he voices his opinion on this front. okay so speaking of that though i mean vanessa we got to meet vanessa obviously and she seems very close to her parents i mean does she know that she's adopted or did we find that out uh yes she does know that she's adopted uh, but we do hear more from her. We will, we, you'll learn a little bit more in 16. I don't want to give any spoilers. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, kind of going out. I mean, absolutely, we don't know. I don't know, at least let's put it that way. I don't know what's going to happen with Maggie and Vanessa in the season finale. But, and I know obviously stuff is in negotiations, but like, are there plans for her to return in season seven? I think that's our hope. Yeah, I was gonna say, I know obviously contracts are still in negotiations, but I guess the hope is that she'll return next season. Yeah. So I have kind of like a random question that has nothing to do with storylines, but I was looking back at the list of episodes this season when I was preparing for this, and I realized that most of the episodes this season are written in pairs. So I'm curious, like, why do you guys write most of them in pairs? Like, that seems like a, some, a dumb question, but I just, I was curious. No, that's a good question. <laughs> Sometimes we ask that question. <laughs> you want to handle this one? Yeah, I just want to know. You know, we should actually answer it together. 
Uh, I mean, this, this season, it did seem a lot easier doing it over Zoom because, uh, you know, normally we're in an office. So if you're writing an episode by yourself, well, I go over to Steve's office and we talk about my episode, we talk about his episode, we, you know, whatever. But when you're just sitting alone in your house and don't have anybody to talk with, Steve doesn't want me calling him every 20 minutes. Uh, so, you know, if you're working with someone and you're talking with them all day, it just like, it gives you a natural person that's in it with you that you can be bouncing things off of. So I think it made it made it a little bit easier this year. Yeah, we have done it uh, consistently. Is it, uh, part of it is, uh, you know, sometimes we'll start off and we'll each write individual episodes, like at the beginning of the year, mm -hmm. just you know, when we have a little more uh, lead time and allows us to get like further, you know, further ahead. Uh, and then, that those the production is just so fast and things happen so fast that like we've figured out that it's you the the time you save by co-writing an episode uh, you know it's a it's a real it's a very sophisticated like transportation logistics thing but somewhere we've figured out that our best strategy for not getting run over by the train is <laughs> hold hands with someone and run <laughs> as fast as you can versus every man for himself. But it's not always the same writing partner, right? Like you guys aren't always writing with the same person every time you guys get an episode. So you sometimes it will go by year by year. I mean, this year I did write with the same partner. And part of that was like a function of of zooming and mm -hmm. just like that consistency. But sometimes we'll it really depends on like when people are getting off of their previous assignment, not only writing it, but like prepping it. Uh, we didn't go to Chicago, they, you know, because of COVID, we didn't, this was the first year that we didn't travel to set. Mm -hmm. But in the past, when we did, that would complicate things. Uh, so there were a lot, used to be a lot more moving parts where you would probably switch up partners based on all those things over the course of the year and this year uh i think was just uh a little more systematic but i think jeff i, I don't know i i i, I might have been the one consistent uh part of it dan sinclair um yeah i i wrote with different people i've written with we i think i've written with everybody we were we wrote 117 together right that was the we wrote 117 together i've written I've written one together with Jeff, or no, one or two. Well, I can't remember. We did like three of us, right? Did another one. That wasn't me. That was you, Danny, and Mary Leah. Oh, oh yeah. But we, in season one, it was crazy. I know we wrote more scripts together, maybe not officially. Right. And then I've written one with Eli. And then, uh, and then I think with everybody else. But generally, the, uh, the high, the people who've been with the show the longest are Jeff, Eli, and myself, mm -hmm. and Sephora. Uh, so when we have new writers come on, it, it also helps to pair them up with people who've done it, you know, before. And that's part of the the learning, you know, process. The way, you know, how we bring new writers up to speed. 
I, like I said, I was just something I noticed and I didn't know if that had been a thing that you guys had been doing prior to this season or I was, you know, it was just something I noticed and I was just curious. Um, also kind of another random one. I know every episode title this year and as it's been in the years past is as long as as many words as it is, you know, the season. So this year, all the ones were six words long. Um, like what's going to happen like when med gets into double digits i mean is each episode title going to be like as long as a fallout boy song i mean like are you guys just going to go keep sticking with this <laughs> i mean if that's our biggest problem in season <laughs> <laughs> can you imagine like like dre's or law and order we got 20 how do you an svu up in here with like 20 yeah you'll need punctuation it'll be like a full sentence do you guys get any input in those does that come from you guys yeah we'll uh we'll take a stab at it our, our you know annie and diane our showrunners diane mm. in particular <laughs> yeah. like Damon. she likes she likes the challenge i will tell you it's odd numbers are easier than you <laughs> <laughs> So you're season, saying next season will be easier. I, know, I found a lot of construction <laughs> of things were just like either one word too many or one word too many. <laughs> I'm very hopeful that seven is not just one number. I can, I can say in, in six years of talking to Steve every day, that's one of the more unusual things I've heard him say. <laughs> I've never noticed the even versus odd. That's very interesting. I got to go back now. I'm going to say a bunch of sentences and then write them down and see. <laughs> words I'm, yeah, I'm going to think about how many words are in my sentences from now on every time I say them. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's fascinating. Okay. So we've got kind of a fun one to kind of start to wrap things up. So we've been discussing this for a little bit. We even had Derek on the pod last week and we had him share his, but we want to hear from you guys. So using any one Chicago character from any of the shows, you have to give me your one Chicago pub quiz team and your one Chicago zombie apocalypse team. Wow. So pub quiz team is you oh, and five other people. Characters, right? Not actors. Characters, yes. <laughs> well, you got to take... Dan, you got to take Charles on your pub quiz team, right? I mean, yeah, obviously, yeah. Zombie apocalypse. Yeah, like if you had to survive a zombie apocalypse, who from when Chicago would you want with you? I mean, definitely, well, see, that's a tough one. Strategically, I'm going to want a lot of firemen and policemen, <laughs> not very many of our uh, doctors. Well, Ethan. I want one doctor. Ethan, right. Ethan Choi. Right, has right. Been on the front line as a medic. I mean, it's hard to argue against him unless you think like there's a, there's a wild card, you know? I'm not, I don't know enough about zombies to know like maybe that's not the right answer. <laughs> Well, you need someone that's going to be able to treat our people, right? So that's, you know, Ethan's going to be able to fight and and treat and he's got that combat experience. But then after him, I don't I don't want any of our guys like med people doing any of the fighting. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, we, we want the guys with the axes and the <coughs> and the guns. 
I mean, it's a hard. I'm also trying to think pub quiz. I'm stumped. Who did Derek say, by the way? That's why. Oh I man, know. Derek decided on. He said Dr. Charles for his pub quiz team. Ooh. He went with uh, Jay Halstead and uh, Matt Casey, Sylvie Brett, and I'm trying to think who his other one was. He, named, he got to name four different people for the zombie apocalypse. And then he went with Severide on his zombie apocalypse. He went Ethan. And I think he also threw Connor Rhodes in there. Um, for the zombie apocalypse. Mm-hmm. He did. Um, I'm trying to remember who else. He also went with some one of his minor characters so that he could like feed him to the zombies. It feels like he didn't really make any tough choices. He just named <laughs> He just kept naming people. <laughs> I mean, hey, if it works, it works. Um, so I figured I'd ask this like one final question to kind of wrap things up. I mean, we're just a few days out at, from this point, um, from the season finale. So I wonder if you guys could tease it in five words. Uh, well, five is going to be easier for Steve than six. <laughs> <laughs> Hold on to your hats. <laughs> Oh, <laughs> Someone's gonna get hurt bad. <laughs> yeah, I mean that promo's got me nervous. Where it's Ethan getting shot. I mean, my, that promo's got me nervous. It should. It's that's its design. <laughs> Engender a response from you. Do you believe how? What was exactly? Can you? Tell me what exactly was in the. <laughs> um, it's a lot of Ethan getting shot in, to, and then Archer saying some stuff. It looks like Archer's going to have a choice in whether what surgery Ethan has. I don't, you know, something along those lines is the promo. Okay, so it's pretty much on that was that was. The yes, that storyline is like what it's focused on. Ethan getting shot. And that covers it. That's happening. Oh, there are ready. even more surprises. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm not ready. I'm not ready for these finales. I'm not. I'm not ready. All right, guys. Well, those are all the questions that I had. Thank you guys so much again for always doing this. We really appreciate it and love having you guys on. Yeah. I love being here. here. Yeah. Um, I know neither one of you are really on social media but if you guys have anything else you would like to plug <laughs> if you want to plug your twitter accounts i know jeff is kind of on his steven is never on his i know it's so I'm I'm just, much better at baking this year that's <laughs> <laughs> all i got i just start, opened an instagram account but i haven't posted anything yet wow <laughs> I'm what ten years behind the curve. Is that I was gonna say that's a big step up, Twitter to Instagram. Yeah, well, we're gonna follow you. Yeah, I'm excited, my. For you my, to never post anything, but we're still I'm gonna ready. follow you. And when I'm ready, I'm gonna just gonna come full blast. <laughs> I'm working up a whole 
just want to make sure I have enough ammunition so I just keep it. <laughs> you got to work up to that. I, I see. I see how it is. All right, guys. Well, thank you so much for coming on again. And I guess we will see you guys next year. We'll do this all over again next year. Sounds good. All right.